Hi, and welcome to Tattooed Freaks in Business Suits, recorded live in the kitchen from the Personal Touch Career Services in Denver, Colorado. I am your host, Donna Shannon. As a professional career coach, I help people navigate the hiring mage to get the job they really love. In addition to working with Job Seekers one-on-one, I do have a book available. You can find How to Get a Job Without Going Crazy on Amazon, or of course, directly from me. My guest today is the amazing Sean Kaiser, Director of Operations for uh, the Egg and I restaurants here in Colorado. So hi, Sean. All right, thanks for having me here today. Cool, we'll talk to you a little bit more in just a second. So our show's purpose is to explore and redefine the world of work, especially as Gen X millennials and those to come after seek positions of leadership that still allow them to be themselves. Every show we explore a topic related to business or job searching, and of course we're going to talk about tattoos so our sponsor is the personal touch career services we are denver's top rated resume and coaching service uh, as rated on yelp and google we focus on the practical tools for your job search including resumes linkedin profiles job search coaching and ongoing classes so check out our ridiculously long website personaltouchcareerservices.com. Once again, that's personaltouchcareerservices.com, or you know, you can just Google it. So hi, Sean. Good morning. So to kick things off, why don't you just tell us a little bit more about yourself? Oh, well, I've been working with the Egg and I restaurants for about 12 years now, but altogether I've been about 30 years in the food service industry. Uh, so I'm not a young guy anymore, and I've learned a few things here and there, and um, it's been a, a great journey learning the business side of things. Great, great. So one of the things that uh, you're always telling me, and I'll, I'll give our listeners a secret i consider sean to be one of my mentors so we're involved in a mastermind group through the arvada chamber and we meet every other week and we talk about our business challenges and what we need to do to go keep moving forward and i think i've been part of this group for maybe a year or a year and a half yeah about that it's been we've been going for a while now yeah and one of the first things that kept getting harped into my mind from you was know your numbers Right. So what does that mean? Well, numbers are, will tell a story for you. They let you know what your results are. Uh, they'll let you know what your history has been and kind of helps you set up a plan for what you need to do going forward. Mm -hmm. So if you don't know your numbers, you don't know your own story. Right, right. And, you know, this sounds awful because I've been running my own business for a while. And I think a lot of times just looking at numbers was kind of scary to me mm -hmm. because I didn't know or understand what they meant. It's like, I know this is bad or this is good. It, the numbers from QuickBooks tell me I have profit, but I don't know how that relates to performance. Right. So how I do think you a lot of entrepreneurs run into the same type of thing is they understand the numbers and the math involved with them, but they don't really understand where to get those numbers and then what creates that, uh, you know, that positive or that negative impact on your P&L. Mm -hmm. uh, and reading a P&L is a skill that, you know, a lot of people nowadays coming out of even some of the top rated business programs don't really fully comprehend because every company has their own system and their own format for their P&Ls. Uh, but essentially, it comes down to your basics of what are your revenues, what sales are you generating, mm -hmm. and then what are your costs that, uh, that, that you occur in running your business. 
Uh, and then what's left over then is your profit, right? Right, right. And so a lot of times business owners, especially in the beginning, we get bottom line driven. We want to have that good bottom line to have some stability and, and to have that, a little bit of a comfort level. But really that profit number comes from your top line sales. So without a top line, there is no bottom line. Mm -hmm. So you really got to know what that top line is, what the trends are going to be, because it may be different from month to month or week to week. It may depend on seasonal volume. Uh, you know, if you're selling beach towels, you're probably going to have an uptick in sales right before summertime versus at the end of August or September. Right. Uh, and you have to be prepared for those changes in business fluctuations. Mm -hmm. Yep. Now. A lot of our listeners may not be in a leadership role like that yet, and maybe their job doesn't necessarily have to do with these bottom line orientation. But it, I think it's still important to recognize what kind of metrics are going on in your job no matter what. So one challenge we often face with putting a resume together for somebody is they're like, uh, I don't know what my achievements are, and they have a very hard time quantifying what they've done in the past. Mm -hmm. So you know, we encourage, look at things like, okay, what was the volume of the business that you were in? Because for example, um, the Egg and I is, is actually a multi-million dollar franchise for you guys, right? Right, something like that. Yeah. So. A lot of people, if they're working in the store, they may not realize the success that the business is having and how that putting those kind of things on their resume reflects better on them and makes them appear like a stronger candidate. Right. And that's a good point, because the more you understand the business model, the more appealing you're going to be to an employer. Mm -hmm. uh, because they really want somebody who gets it, who really understands you know, what their role is and what kind of an impact they have on that bottom line or on that top line or on both. Right. Uh, so the more you can understand where those numbers come from, what that business model looks like, the more attractive you're going to be to a potential employer. Right. Right. Even for an accountant, you know, it's one thing to say I processed accounts payable every week. It's very different to say that I accurately processed over a hundred thousand dollars worth of accounts payable every week. Right. Yeah. So those are some of the metrics that, even if you're not in sales, matters a lot to other employers. Yeah. There's always like every business is looking for efficiencies and trying mm -hmm. to find ways to be more efficient. Uh, so they can generate more clients and generate more revenue and generate more profit. Right. Comes down into the ba three basic things. Can you make money, save money, or solve problems? Right. And if you can prove one of those, the employers are going to like you a lot better. Right. So there's also, uh, this is a pretty standard thing. I'm totally ripping it off. I didn't invent it. But the whole idea of SMART goals. Are you familiar with the acronym for the SMART goals? Yeah, absolutely. Being specific, um, measurable, actionable. Um, I want to say the R is uh, um, realistic and then timely mm -hmm. um, so that you have, they have time bound on your goal so you're going to achieve something in a certain amount of time, which is a very important piece a lot of people forget about. Right. So as an entrepreneur or as a business leader, what are some of those kind of smart goals that you're looking at for yourself or for the business? Well, we've set up goals usually on a quarterly basis. We kind of figure out what, where we're at and where we would like to be and then you know, evaluate those goals and make sure that they are going to be realistic and they're actionable and they're uh, specific and so that we can communicate that and disseminate it to the rest of the staff so they can be involved and feel like they have some ownership in that. Mm -hmm. uh, so an example might be our per person average. If our per person or each guest comes into our building and they're spending $10 per visit. You know, what do we have to do to get that to maybe $10.25 per visit or $10.50 uh, per visit? Because mm -hmm. uh, even those small increments, when you're talking about, you know, several hundred people can make 
a tremendous difference right. in your top-line sales. And it doesn't cost you anything extra. Right. And I think what you just mentioned about communicating with your team is very critical in this. And for example, if you're working with someone and the boss is not sharing any numbers and you're not knowing any concrete ways that you can improve your performance, I think those are signs of a bad culture. They can be. And there's a lot of business operators who want to hold everything close to the vest because they're worried somebody figures out you know, how to run that business. They're going to go out and do it for themselves right. uh, and maybe steal their clients along the way. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think you know, when you have an abundance mentality and you figure you know, there's enough, uh, it's a big enough ocean for all the fish, you know, there's plenty to go around, uh, you help people be more successful and that kind of positive energy always comes back to you. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, it, it's important. You've, if I tell one of my employees, I want you to work on improving your per person average, they don't know what that means if I don't tie a number to it. Right. 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 Certainly. So as job seekers, there's other metrics too, which a lot of people don't know. So, uh, for example, do you know how many resumes you should be putting out before you get a phone interview back? Yeah, no, I have no idea. <laughs> yeah. So, ideally, you should be getting one to three phone interviews for every 10 resumes that you send out. So, if you're doing that, you're crushing it, and that means that your resume is doing its job. And some people kind of go, wow, that's not very good. That's that's just a 10% return if I only got one phone interview for 10 resumes sent out. It's like, well, you know what? A uh, 10 to 30% return for a salesperson is a pretty good statistic. Right. Yeah, well, even in uh, marketing, you know, you put out 100,000 pieces of marketing material, your return rate's only going to be, you know, 1% to 2% on that if it's a good campaign. Right. Right. And the other thing, too, is like a job seeker may look at a hundred different job postings or a hundred different companies just to get to the 10 that they're actually interested in that want to go. You know, they want to bother doing that intense application process or tweaking their resume and tracking down hiring managers, all of those things that we do in addition to just applying to jobs online. So sometimes you got to weed through a lot of prospecting to get to the 10 that are going to be a good fit. Right. And if you're not doing the work and looking at those, kind of sifting through the garbage to get to the gold, that's just part of the game. Right. I can tell you how many times I get phone calls uh, from people that are job seekers, but they're calling me just to say, are you hiring? Yeah. Well, yeah, since you called, thank goodness, you're, we can just bring you right in. But, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like, you, know, you have to come in and we have to go through a process. Right. You know, but it just amazes me. Sometimes people think they're going to get hired off of an email or off of a phone call, and uh, it's a little bit more intense than that. And I'm sure the people that you're dealing with on, in your job searches are looking for higher you know, skill-level jobs, uh, so they don't have the same kind of issues with that. Well, even then, there's people who don't understand all these extra steps that they have to take. That's actually a lot of people when they come to us, they go, well, uh, one of our hot markets in Colorado right now is uh, IT and specifically like software developers. We have a real serious gap in the talent versus the available jobs. And combine that with, you know, it's May 2018, our unemployment rate is about 3%. So it's almost fully employed is what they consider that. But I'll have people come to me and they're like, I've been applying to jobs for three or six months and I haven't gotten any calls back at all. And I take a look at their resume and it's like, it's awful. <laughs> you know, It's like, just because there's a lot of jobs available, 
you still have to do a good job of presenting yourself in order to capture those interviews for a desirable job, not just you know, that's a great throwing. point. So a lot of people think the resume is going to get them the job, but the resume gets you the interview. Exactly. You have to get the job. Yeah. Right. Yeah, exactly. So, but it's a, yeah, it's a tough market out there right now in Denver right now. Our unemployment rate is so low. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and everywhere you go, they have no hiring signs. Yeah. Yeah. I, I literally see it almost every door I walk into. Yeah. I think literally the last five people that I've hired for my business have been from out of state. Mm-hmm. They just moved here to Colorado. Wow. Wow. That's what I'm saying quite a bit. Yeah. Here's a concept that's a little bit weird. And sometimes I find goals to be very demotivating. For example, I do have a set amount of revenue I'm expecting to hit. I have a sales goal every month. And you're always encouraging me to push that sales number higher. And I'm like, no, Sean, I don't want to do it. That's too scary. And I would rather have it set to a lower number that I've consistently hit. And then when it's like, oh, we went 120% over goal this month, it's all like, yay, me, instead of having the higher goal and go, we missed it by $500. Oh. Yeah. Well, and I get that. And, and my philosophy has always been that, you know, if you shoot for the stars, uh, you may risk hitting the moon. But if you aim for the floor, you risk hitting yourself in the foot. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I don't like people to, you know, make the goals too easy. Uh, but you're right, they do need to be measurable. They don't need to feel like it's going to be too overwhelming and it's going to come down to the wire or it's going to cause a lot of anxiety or it's going to cause a lot of stress. You know, if you find that having that mid-range goal for you is, is you know, more comfortable for you and it's something that you feel like you can accomplish, then that's great. I'm just I'm always encouraging people to push that envelope and try to do a little bit more than what they think they could. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you get outside of that comfort zone, you'd be amazed at how much things can kind of come together for you. But again, it depends on the individual, the different types of businesses that are out there, the clientele that's available. Uh, so it has to be realistic and because you, you don't want to come up short on a consistent basis. Right. 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 Sometimes and- it's okay to come up short and realize, okay, I need to work a little bit harder. Mm-hmm. Um, but if, if coming up short means that you hit the moon, then it's yeah. not such a bad thing. Not such a bad thing at all. Yeah. yeah. And it's also understanding sometimes different numbers mean different things. Mm-hmm. Like you were saying, uh, the cri- uh, you know, revenue per customer. Right. Yeah, because we figure out, you know, we know where our sales come from. It comes from our customers, right? So mm-hmm. we figure out, well, if we're going to increase our revenues, we have to look at is it uh, getting those customers to come in more frequently, getting those customers who come in to spend more money, or getting new customers to come in the door. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of focus and energy is, is put into getting new customers, and, and that's great. You need to have that. Um, but the customers that are already coming in is a lot easier and a lot more cost-effective to market to than the customers who've never set foot inside your business. Right. So trying to figure out how to you know, generate more revenue off of that base of people that you already have in your building um, a lot of times makes a lot more sense. Right. Yeah, and then on the job search, that's that same concept of you don't just want to apply to jobs online, right? It's not like throwing a whole bunch of spaghetti on the wall and seeing what's going to stick. Right. That very rarely works. You know, if you want a quality job with a good culture fit, it's going to require a little bit of extra work. 
and the leads that are coming in about jobs it's like obviously there's positions posted online but it's involved in, in your social network it's looking at uh trigger events in the business community so that would be like you're picking out some top companies you'd want to work for researching them and a trigger event is anything that would be an excuse to reach out to a hiring manager mm -hmm. like they got a promotion or they earned a new contract or they're moving into a new building because they're growing those would all be reasons to reach out even if there's no job posted yet yeah when i uh, started working with yeg and i the reason that i got that position is i was referred by a close friend Mm -hmm. uh, so that seemed to be, even though I'd been for months, I've been sending out my resumes to different places because my position had been eliminated at my prior job. Uh, so I was laid off there trying to find a, another comparable position. Wasn't having any luck locally, but I had a friend in Fort Collins that said, Hey, I know the, these guys that have these restaurants, they're looking for a manager. Would you be interested? Send my resume. We set it up and the rest has been history from there. Yeah. Uh, but even the position I had prior to that came from a referral as well. Somebody that said, Hey, I know somebody that'd be a great fit for this position you're looking for. Uh, got me their information, and I reached out to them, and, and that's how I got that position. Uh, so it's utilizing the resources that you have around you rather than just kind of you know, that shotgun method, yeah. right? It's yeah. better to have something you know you're aiming at. If you're going hunting, you want to make sure that you take aim before you squeeze the trigger. You don't want to just, you know, fire your gun and hope something good runs into that. Yeah, yeah, and that's the other point, too. It's something good. You can take the shotgun approach and, uh, like, Companies that are bad will hire you very quickly. Mm. <laughs> uh, one of the metrics that I also advise people to do is like when you're in the interview process, uh, if they offer you an opportunity to be a later candidate to interview, like um, if they say, do you want to come in Tuesday or Wednesday, you should take the Wednesday appointment because most of the time people remember best the people they met last. So coming in later in the interview process, those people statistically tend to get job offers more often. That's brilliant. Yeah. And then I was uh, working with one of my interview coaching clients. I was explaining that to her. And she goes, you know what? Our company doesn't do that. They, as soon as they find the right person, they hire them on the spot and then they cancel all the other interviews. I'm like, really? That's very bizarre behavior. And I go, she goes, well, you know what actually we have a lot of high turnover and we end up with people who aren't real qualified to do the job i'm like gee i wonder why <laughs> and it's like you're working with me because obviously you want to leave this company as well right you know any company that's going to hire you on the spot or if the job has been open for a very very short period of time that's another red flag about a bad job situation <laughs> so sometimes a quality position it's worth waiting for right yeah i agree with that completely and i can't imagine uh, not wanting to talk to as many qualified candidates as possible before filling a position mm -hmm. uh, especially if you have a limited number of spots you're trying to fill you want to get the best people you possibly can they're not going to just be um a great qualified candidate but are also going to fit into your culture and that are going to be affordable because sometimes you know i've run into situations where we've had great candidates for a position but wanted a lot more than what we can afford to pay them yeah uh, it's not that we didn't you know we're not willing to pay them it's just we can't afford it so yeah uh, so it's not necessarily finding the right person for the job or the best person for the job is the best person you can afford for the job right right those are the big things that you know employers are looking for right right all right so it's our 
favorite time of the show right now. We get to talk about tattoos. Excellent. And you actually have two, don't you, Sean? I do. I have a couple tattoos. I got my first one uh, right out of high school when I graduated. I thought it would be a good idea to uh, enhance my bad boy image uh, mm -hmm. and be more appealing to the ladies if I had a... a a colorful Pegasus tattooed on my back. You know, Pegasi are not very manly. <laughs> no. Uh, was this in the 80s, too? It was in the 80s. Uh, it wasn't very well thought out. Uh, <laughs> but it wasn't as bad. My best friend also went and got a tattoo, and he got some blue unicorns tattooed on his chest. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> uh, so, and I thought that was a little questionable, but I thought, you know, the colorful Pegasus would be nice. But then I realized, no, that's not really very manly. So. <laughs> yeah. But uh, I, at, later on, I got married at a very young age also and subsequently divorced at a very young age and mm -hmm. uh, going through that whole process, I decided I was going to get the uh, lone wolf tattoo mm -hmm. uh, on my shoulder and um, I, it was a pretty large tattoo so it took a lot longer than I thought it was going to but um, you know, a lot of people talk about how much it hurts to get tattoos and that sort of thing and it really didn't bother me a whole lot until I got that wolf and we were going through all that surface area. Oh yeah. <laughs> that can be... It got. Um, uncomfortable there for a while right well actually the we're on the upper arm mm -hmm. it tends to be one of the easier places to get tattooed because there's like a lot of muscle and the, the skin is just a little bit tougher in that area yeah. because my first tattoo that i got in that area i actually fell asleep in the chair oh really but <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> i might have really high pain tolerance too right. well my oldest daughter when she graduated high school for her graduation gift she wanted a tattoo so mm -hmm. i said i would take her out and buy her a tattoo and she'd pick out what she wanted and she decided she was going to have one placed on the top of her foot that would go up around her ankle oh that's a hard place to start said, for the oh, first one yeah, that's yeah. gonna be uh that's gonna hurt a little um but i let her you know pick out what she wanted and uh, it turned out very nice the guy that did our tattoos and i wish i could remember who it was now but uh it was very good but he was telling me he says you know he's had some guys that have had tons of tattoos and it doesn't matter where you put it um there may just be that one time where they go in and, and the pain becomes to a point where they feel like they're going to faint or they're going to pass out and you got to take a break and you know it's a little different for everyone and every situation could be different no matter how many times you have a tattoo it's it can be a different experience every time so yeah yeah. Well, thank you very much for coming in today. So why don't you just tell me a little bit more about the Egg and I restaurants where people can find them? Yeah, absolutely. We are a uh, Colorado-based company. We started here in Fort Collins in 1987, and I'm the director of operations for a franchise group. We have two stores currently in the Denver area, one in Arvada at 80th and Sheridan, and then we also have another location at uh, Leedsdale and Holly, just outside of Glendale. Uh, near Cherry Creek. Our uh, restaurants have a private meeting room available, so we uh, host a lot of networking groups, a lot of chamber organizations, uh, a lot of business meetings, you know, those sort of things, and we're open from 7 to 2.30, Monday through Sunday. Okay. Well, and the food is awesome. I can well, definitely you. attest to that. I'm in there all the time. <laughs> Me too. I eat there almost every day. I wonder why. Yeah. <laughs> a ringing endorsement. All right. Well, thank you, everybody, for joining us today. Uh, Please be sure to follow us, um, and uh, there we go. Thanks. Thank you.